Welcome to Straight from the Author, a podcast that gives you a front row seat as leading authors discuss their books at a Warren Public Library. Let's get started. Everybody, this is um, Stephen Mac Jones. We are so lucky to have him here with us tonight. He's super awesome. One of my favorites. So let's, um, let's welcome him and hear what he has to say. Hi, folks. How is everyone tonight? Doing well? I hope. Well, um, like Amy said, I am Stephen Mac Jones, and um, sometimes when I say my full name, I feel like uh, I'm either at uh, DMV or the doctor's office because I don't often say, you know, my full name, but that is who I am, and I am the author of Dead of Winter, and uh, Dead of Winter comes from Soho Press. It's, it was just released uh, this month. I just start writing for myself. Um, I'm, I'm writing to oh, entertain and inform and move myself. And it's, it's always, uh, three books in, it's always a surprise when I type the end. Um, and then, you know, start working on revisions, et cetera, and so forth. And the nice, the nice thing, well, the scary thing for me is hoping that I've done a good enough job for you folks. Um, because honestly, when I'm, when I'm writing, I'm just writing to entertain myself. And that way, you know that all of the boring parts have been cut. Um, if I'm boring myself, I don't want to bore you. So it's, it's, it's really, really fun to do. And then my editor gets it. And she, she pretty much tells me how much fun I can have. Um, and that that's good too, because she's uh, wonderful. Uh, if you're not if you're not familiar, um, August, I'll tell you a little bit about who August Snow is. Um, that was essentially the name of the first book, August Snow. And August Snow is um, half Black, half Mexican-American. He's a former Marine, did service in Afghanistan, and a former policeman. Uh, former uh, lieutenant detective, detective lieutenant. And uh, after a short stint with the Detroit Police Department, uh, he was fired. Uh, he was fired because he started looking into uh, malfeasance, criminal behavior in the Detroit mayor's office. What August did was 
He sued the city and the department, and he won $12 million in a wrongful dismissal lawsuit. And you would think, you know, $12 million, that's a lot of money that should make things all right. But August loved being a police officer, and his father was a police officer. So the money is cold comfort for losing something that he really enjoyed doing. Um, he has moved back to his old family home. His parents are deceased. Um, he's moved back to his old family home in uh, Mexican town, which is Southwest Detroit. And he just wants to fix his house, uh, fix and flip houses along his street, Markham Street, and pretty much be left alone. But um, good neighbors and good people intrude on that. And he loves his Mexican town home. He loves his heritage, um, and he gets involved in things that are, shall we say, dangerous. And that is essentially who um, August Snow is. Um, so we're three books in into uh, his adventures. The first book was uh, named August Snow. The second book was Lives Laid Away. And this new book is Dead of Winter. And, you know, I'm, I'm always thrilled um, to have a book published. Um, there's, there's nothing like it. And let me tell you this much. When, when the book is just about to come out, the publisher will send the author like 10 or 20 copies of the book. And opening that box is like a five-year-old at Christmas. I mean, you laugh, you giggle, you, you start crying because you're so happy. And then you do something that outside of this would be pretty weird, uh, especially if you saw it in a bookstore. But most authors will just spend like three to five minutes smelling the books. They won't take them out of the box. It's like, hmm, because the cover is fresh, the ink is just dried. And so, like, we're essentially five-year-olds at Christmas opening the first gift. Um, so that, that happens every time. And every time, uh, I am just so grateful. Uh, this is, of course, the first time that I've gotten a really wonderful review in the New York Times review of books. So that for me is 
another level. It is the level. Um, and that review happened a couple weeks ago. So it's, it's been, it's been pretty crazy. Uh, and crazy in a good way, because it just makes me happy that not only people are reading my work, but people are reading. Um, that's, that's always, oh, I love that. I love that. And um, I have to say that, you know, we'll, we'll get into questions, but I have to say that I am just thrilled to be back here at the Warren Public Library. Um, Amy and all the rest of the folks at the library do a wonderful job. So please keep that in your hearts and minds. Uh, they've been putting it all on the line because, uh, you know, we're living in strange times. Um, if somebody had told me three years ago, uh, yeah, in three years, you're going to have a pandemic. I would have said, oh, get out of here, you nutbag. Uh, science is everywhere. Science will stop everything. I never thought, not unlike you, I would be wearing a mask everywhere. Um, and, and watching the news and, and seeing things shut down. So um, really, uh, and keep the folks at the library and your independent bookstores um, in your hearts and minds. They're, they're putting it all out there for you folks. And whatever you do, get vaccinated. Um, that's my public service announcement. We'll get, we'll get back to the book. Um, so uh, what else can I tell you uh, besides the fact that an article was written about me and, and we can talk about my, my writing process, uh, which seems to be popular and is always a little bit embarrassing for me. A young writer uh, recently interviewed me, and I'll mention his name in a second. He's, he's a writer that you're really going to want to get. Uh, he did a profile of me, and I guess I was a little too honest with him because I admitted that my writing partner is Godzilla. Um, yeah, I, I love having Godzilla with me. Um, I don't know what it is. You know, I'm, I'm certainly a mature man. Um, okay, that's enough. That's your screen time for tonight. Thank you. But anyway, um, I just love having Godzilla near me when I'm, I'm writing. It's, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm in my 60s. I deserve to be playful, you know? But, uh, well, I, 
when I start talking about myself and hearing myself talk about myself, um, I start to think, whoa, wow. Um, do you do anything besides sit in a chair and write? And the answer is probably not. Um, not unlike you folks, I, I enjoy the occasional Netflix show and Amazon, but there are times when I just run the movie of August's life in my head. And I have to get those things down. And unlike an actual film, the film of August's adventures in my head starts with real one, you know, they put real one on, and then real two, and then it skips to real seven, and then real 12, and then I have to work backwards. Um, and that's, that's a little bit of my process. Um, so anyone have any questions? Ah, I see Carla nodding her head. Yes. Oh, hello. Hi. Oh, I have lots of questions. <laughs> um, so I am actually a librarian in the library network, and I have to find mysteries for the mystery book club that I host. So I looked at August Snow when it came out, and I don't remember why I didn't like it. And then I looked at lives laid away and I don't remember why I didn't like it. In this, we get ARCs, advanced reading copies from Baker yes. and Taylor. Right. And um, I looked at it and started reading it and I really like it. So I guess I'll have to go back and look at the other one. So yeah, I have a lot of questions like August Snow, does that name mean anything? And is he, is he you? Were you uh, in oh, Afghanistan and a cop, or is he somebody you know? No. Uh, I've never been in the military, and <laughs> I've never been a police officer. Um, I, guns freak me out. Um, I feel safest uh, when I'm in my chair writing. Um, but honestly, um, at the heart of things, well, first of all, the name August Snow, uh, I wish I could give you a, an English professor's professorial answer, but um, the truth is the name came to me when I was mowing the back lawn um, on a summer day like we're having here. And as you folks know, mowing the, mowing the lawn is, is it's zen uh, with a power tool. You know, you don't really think of anything. And those two words, August and snow, settle on my mind. And I laugh them off uh, because obviously, come on, it doesn't snow in August, right? Well, those two words wouldn't leave me alone. Um, and after a week or two weeks, uh, I felt like I only had two choices because of those words. Seek talk therapy and find out what was going on 
or write a story with those words. And since writing um, has a much lower copay, um, I started writing a story. And I already had a three-page treatment of what turned out to be August Snow. Uh, but in the treatment, uh, every sentence that had um, the hero doing something was written the word in capital letters, hero, uh, because I didn't have a name. And I thought, well, there's the name. And his middle name, uh, Octavio, uh, comes from uh, one of my absolute favorite poets, a uh, Mexican poet uh, by the name of Octavio Paz, who was just brilliant. So that's, that's how the baby was named. Um, you know, you're, sometimes something comes to your mind when you're not really thinking about it. Or have you ever taken a nap and then thought of something just brilliant? At least you, you think it's brilliant. Uh, by the way, uh, as a writer, uh, I would like your support in... Um, making naps tax deductible. Um, it's really, it's, naps are wonderful for writers. Um, and that, does that answer your question, Carla? Um, yes, so it, but it sure is an unusual name. You know, the two things don't yes. go together. So it's an unusual name. Well, it's funny because um, now that you mention it, um, it was maybe six months after the first book was published. And, um, you know, we're, my wife and I are walking around the house and out of nowhere, she just stopped and she went, wow, that name, August Snow, you know, it's, that's a great name because like the month of August, he can run hot. He can, he can heat up real fast, but he's also very cool, like snow. And when she said that, I, of course, looked at her and said, well, of course I thought of that, honey. What? You, you think I'm stupid? And when she left, it was like, oh, my God, I never thought of that. You know, the male ego is such a delicate thing. But I, I, I so I have my lovely wife to credit with, with opening my eyes. See, writers have the ego of thinking, you know, well, we've seen it all. We imagined it all. We know what everything mean, means. No, we don't. We don't. So thank you to my lovely wife for that. Any other uh, questions? We have a question from Michelle in chat. She said, you mentioned you, you're in your 60s and your first August snowbook was a few years ago. Had you written previously? 
Yes, um, I had written previously. Um, in fact, I spent 30 years in, 30 plus years in advertising, marketing, communications um, as a writer, a copywriter, associate creative director. Uh, so I was constantly writing in, in those job functions. Um, everything from uh, Ford to Buick to Motor Oil to healthcare. And if there's one thing that I am grateful for that time um, in advertising, marketing, communications, is I really learned to edit on the fly and to rewrite on the fly because advertising marketing communications is a business where you can write a really tremendous 30 second 15 second um, tv spot um, and you know they'll take it to the client and the client will say wow, this is really good. Can you give me three more ideas like that? Or I really don't like that. Can you give me three more options? So you can't really say to a client, are you kidding? That is art. What is the matter with you? Um, That'll, that'll be the quickest way to severance pay. Uh, so you learn to rewrite. Uh, you learn to uh, rewrite on the fly. You learn to generate new ideas fast. So that's the one thing that I'm, I'm grateful for that time and uh, that business for. Don't ask me about the rest of the time. Oh. So is, does that answer the question? Kind of, maybe. <laughs> um, should, I, should I break the news now? Yeah. You think it's time? I think it would be good. Okay, Amy. All right. Um, listen, folks, we've been holding back on you. Um, the big news is uh, August Snow is being developed right now for uh, television uh, by uh, ABC, um, Imagine Studios, which is Ron Howard, and uh, Gaspin Media. And uh, it's being written and executive produced by a really incredible, incredible writer, a gentleman by the name of Paul Eckstein. And Paul has written TV shows like um, Law and Order, Criminal Intent, uh, the first season of Narcos on Netflix, and currently has um, a show on a streaming channel called Epics, 
Um, and the show is called The Godfather of Harlem uh, with uh, Forrest Whitaker in the main role. And it's in its second season. So that's, that's the big news. And it's, it's exciting. Very exciting. We do have a question from Rochelle. Yeah. She wanted to know if you are at all worried that they'll mess it up. <laughs> Hi, Michelle. Um, you, know, you know, I'm a Midwesterner. I worry about everything. Okay, that, that's, that's the job of being a Midwesterner. Um, that's the burden you carry. But um, that being said, I am, I have every confidence that the people that are behind this uh, are going to do a great job. And in fact, uh, the lead, the actor and another executive producer is Keegan-Michael Key. Now, I'm not sure if, you're, if you know who Keegan-Michael Key is. To begin with, um, he is the son of Detroit. Uh, he was born and raised in Southfield, uh, went to U of D. Um, he supports uh, a theater here in Detroit uh, called um, Planet Ant. So his, his roots here are very deep. Um, so he is the one who will, he's one of the executive producers, and he will also um, take the lead role of August Snow. Uh, so the short answer is, um, I have every confidence uh, with these folks. Um, am, will I be getting a, an Olympic-sized swimming pool anytime soon? Or a heart-shaped jacuzzi? I don't think so. I'm a good swimmer, but I don't need an Olympic-sized pool. Jacuzzis, does anybody trust the water in a jacuzzi? Uh, no, and, and Carla, no, there's no tennis court. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, that all is happening. And, and the funny thing in, is, here's a little backstory for you. Not only am I glad that Keegan-Michael Key uh, will be executive producing this um, and starring in it, um, I feel that his doing that is getting his forgiveness for what I did 35, 40 years ago. Now, let me tell you about that. About 40 years ago, I wrote, um, maybe 35 years ago, 35 years ago, let's, let's say 35 years to make me feel younger. Um, 35 years ago, I wrote a play that premiered at, uh, does anybody remember the Attic Theater? Um, 
it premiered at the Attic Theater, uh, and it was called Back in the World. And it was a play about uh, African-American Vietnam veteran. And um, one of the actors to try out for a role in the play was Keegan Michael Key. And I still vividly remember him standing there auditioning and he was absolutely tremendous. He was phenomenal. The problem is he was 16 and he looked like a teenager. So it would have stretched things for a, a, a kid who looked like a teenager to be a Vietnam veteran, to play that role. Um, so I, I think Keegan acquiring uh, the August Snow series, I think that's his forgiveness of me um, or his ultimate control of me. <laughs> so, okay, any other? Uh... So I started reading this, I think, on Saturday. And then I watched Saturday Night Live. And I did not know about Keegan Michael Key. Yes. And I was so impressed right from, you know, the get-go when he came out and did the monologue. And he was just so effusive and just, I, he made, I just thought this guy can really act. And I Googled him because I wanted to find out more about him. And I couldn't believe, you know, he's a local boy and he's just so talented. I mean, I really loved all the skits he was in. He's so talented. So then I remembered I'd gotten an email through the libraries about, so I was liking this book, that, that, that some library was going to have you on Tuesday night doing a Zoom presentation. So I, tried, I dug through my email and found it. And on the flyer for the email, it said, you're character and books are being produced and directed and starred in by uh, Keegan. And I thought, this is just all so weird. But it's great. You, you have a great actor for August Snow, who's a great, I just want to say a great character. I, and I, can I keep talking? What I really like about this book, there's so much I like about it. I like the characters a lot. And I can hear them talking in my head and their dialogue is so good. And uh, I, I love the next door neighbors, the little old ladies. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, Carmela and Sylvia, um, they came out of nowhere to me. And you'll, you'll find sometimes um, a writer, sometimes writers are just taking dictation. I mean, the, the characters get ahead of where the writer is at that moment and the characters take over uh, and you find yourself almost being a stenographer. Those are, that's exciting when that happens. And, um, 
that's the way Carmela and Sylvia came about. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad you love those characters because I, I, I love them too. Um, and that, I think that is, when I start a book, I don't think of myself as a thriller writer, so I have to write something thrilling. It doesn't work that way. Uh, the way it works is, uh, it's for me, it's all about human interaction. Uh, it's all about building believable flesh and blood and bone characters. Uh, somebody that a reader can invest their time with. Um, someone who becomes a little voice after they've closed the book. Um, even with the bad guys, the so-called bad guys, there are so many books out there with cutouts for bad guys. Uh, they don't have a drop of, of human blood in them. And yes, there are, there are people, frightening as it is, that are like that. But a story begins not with a bullet, but with a trip to the grocery store a neighbor who gets, you know, who picks up your mail for you. Um, people that are interesting and that have their own lives. And that's what I look for um, in a book, is the humanity. Um, Rochelle would like to know if you're going to pull a Hitchcock and show up in the show somewhere. Michelle, um, let me say this. Uh, the only way that uh, my Hitchcockian uh, appearance will happen on TV is if they put the slimming lens on. That's the only way that's going to happen. Um, I have no intention of giving up... Um, chili dogs, coney dogs, for a chance to appear on TV. That's, that's not going to happen. So, again, I'm just, I'm just happy to uh, sit back and let the professionals do what they do. <laughs> uh, Lynette would like to know if you've submitted your next book to the publisher yet because she loves the series and wants it to continue. Oh, bless your heart. Thank you very much. Um, no, I have not. Uh, I am working on the next. Um, so maybe a year or so. Okay. But I really, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Is Tatiana going to be in it? Tatina? Is that how you, um, how do you say it right? Tatina? Tatina. Okay. Um, I, I hope so. Um, I think yeah, because I, I spent, and it was kind of planned out this way. 
um, with me, you'll hear me say kind of planned out quite a lot. Um, but with the first two books, uh, I introduced her character, but not in the story itself. And with the third book, I thought, well, I've upped the stakes for August. And now if I were a reader, I would say, you know, show me the girlfriend. Um, don't make the girlfriend a, um, a fourth dimension thing. Um, and, and, and that's why I introduced Tatina. That's one of the reasons why I introduced uh, Tatina in this book, in Dead of Winter. Um, the other reason was because I, I have been blessed in my time to have, to have been around some really wonderful, strong um, women that have, have um, picked me up when, when I, was, I was down, uh, beginning with uh, my dear 95-year-old mother. Um, so it was, it was time, to, time to pay homage. Uh, to those women. Um, and if you, if you go back to August Snow and, and Lives Laid Away, you'll get a hint, more than a hint, that, um, and this, this should answer one of the first questions, um, that the people that are dear to him um, and gave him his true north um, moral and ethical compass um, were his mother and father. Um, is August um, modeled after me? No. August is in many ways modeled after the bravery and generosity and humanity of my parents. Uh, my father passed away in 2003. Uh, there hasn't been a day since then that I haven't thought of him. Um, my mother at 95 is still asking me if I've read this book or that. Um, you can't imagine how embarrassing it is to visit your mom in her apartment and 95 years old and at her tallest, she was five foot two. So right now I think she's five feet. Um, but you can't imagine how embarrassing it is to sit in front of your mother and have her say, now, have you read Doris Goodman's book on 
Abraham Lincoln, um, team of rivals. Uh, no, no, ma'am, I haven't. Well, you should. And here are the reasons why you should read Doris Kearns Goodman's book on Abraham Lincoln. And then she tells you, and it's like, uh, so what if, what have you been doing? Uh, I watch Netflix. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, <it's laughs> so she keeps, she keeps uh, just an active, active, mind. But I say that to say um, August is more a tribute to the strength, love, uh, commitment, tenacity of my folks than me. Amy, we got uh, anybody? Carla said that you do a great job with that Nubian princess. Oh, well, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, I, I love her character. I love her character for a number of reasons. Um, because I think she's the embodiment of strength. And I think she is, she has certain answers to questions that August won't ask. And that's, that's, that's one of the reasons why uh, I love her because, um, and it, it shows in this book, you, you can't go through um, life as a Marine in Afghanistan, you can't live the life of a policeman in Detroit without having seen some um, some horrific things, um, and like a lot of veterans, these horrific things are they're pressed down, they're shoved down, um, and it's this thing. It's the same with uh, August. So I think she becomes a sounding board for the unmentionables. Uh, she becomes that, that strength, that shot of strength uh, for the battle against demons. Uh, I mean, I forget, um, I forget the musician who wrote this, but the lyrics were, uh, you have to, hit it the darkness until it bleeds daylight. And uh, she helps him do that. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. You know, it might have been, oh, and, and here's a, here's a, write this down, folks. Um, music to listen to. There's a wonderful, wonderful Canadian artist named Bruce Coburn. He's been around forever. Uh, in Canada, when people start shouting, Bruce, Bruce, they're not talking about Bruce Springsteen. They're talking about Bruce Coburn, C-O-C-K, 
B-U-R-N. Uh, and his music is wonderful. It's just wonderful. Uh, what kind of music? Um, he can write something that is really rocking and he can write a ballad that will have you in tears. He can also write um, a song that will have you fall out laughing. Um, but whatever he writes, um, whatever he writes, I'll listen to. So um, that's my music rep uh, recommendation. Uh, at least one of them. Um, I was listening to um, an artist that I rarely listened to and I didn't like at first. I really like him now. But Michael Bublé, folks familiar with Michael Bublé? Okay, um, I didn't like Michael Bublé at first because um, I thought he was imitation Frank Sinatra. You can't imitate Frank Sinatra. That's impossible, right? Am I right? And then I hear this rendition of the 1968 cartoon show theme song for Spider-Man. And he does it brilliantly. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, always does what a spider can. Well, anyway, you, you guys can find that. Um, I know it sounds like we got off track. But honestly, uh, music has been, music has always been important to me, um, listening to music. Um, I don't play anything. Um, I couldn't play spoons and carry a tune. But um, sometimes music inspires a scene uh, that I have to write down anything from from jazz to electronic music um, to um, classical move music um, country music it does it doesn't matter I'll, I'll hear something that just sparks an image and I'm sure most of us have felt that way um, there's a piece of music by, oh, um, I forget the writer's name, but it's called, it's a classical piece of music called The Lark Ascending. And I don't know if you've ever heard this piece of music called The Lark Ascending, but every time I hear it, I just cry like a baby it is that beautiful it is it's it's just it's the kind of music that and and to be honest with you it's the kind of music that you say that is the music i want played at my burial um and there won't be a dry eye in the house. Um, 
So, yeah, um, sounds like I got off track. I often do that, so. <laughs> we love it. Um, Carla said, love the dialogue. How do you write such authentic sounding dialogue? And then she also said, love all the references to places I recognize and other things I need to look up. Also, do you like scotch? <laughs> uh, let me answer the last question first. Uh, that, that seemed to be the most important. Uh, I love scotch. Um, I'm, I'm not one of those writers that you know, um, we'll dive, we'll scuba dive to the bottom of a bottle. But scotch is wonderful. Um, that is one of the reasons why, scotch is one of the reasons why uh, I would eventually like to move to Scotland. Um, because anybody that can produce a, a fine beverage or as I like to call it, elixir, like scotch, you know, uh, they've got to be great folks. Not to mention there's a unicorn on their flag. What other nation in the world do you know of that has a unicorn on their flag? You know, that's, that's top notch. Um, these days, however, um, I like to show my loyalty, my, my patriotism uh, by drinking bourbon, um, Kentucky bourbon, uh, Kentucky straight bourbon. Uh, and I have, I have a couple of uh, Southern friends. Uh, one of them is a writer named Chris Offutt, O-F-F. H-U-T. And Chris is originally from Appalachia. So Chris, one of the first conversations Chris and I had was, well, sir, uh, what kind of uh, imbibement do you enjoy? And I told him, bourbon, Kentucky straight, no ice, maybe a little water. And he said, well, I see you're refined, gentlemen. So, uh, and I'm sorry, what were, what were the beginning questions? <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> she said, love the dialogue. How do you write such authentic sounding dialogue? You know, I think part of that is my writing, my background as a playwright, uh, where you have to make dialogue sound authentic. And one of my favorite playwrights who, uh, his dialogue is just mind boggling. Um, well, there are actually a couple, Sam Shepard, uh, before he got into acting, Sam Shepard, um, could do dialogue that would just amaze you. And David Mamet. Uh, and of course, um, others. There were, there were, of course, others. But, um, but I think the way good dialogue is written is by 
shutting up and listening. Being quiet and listening is one of the lessons that I, I learned over the years from my folks, my parents. Um, you don't learn by talking. You learn by listening. Uh, and I, I, I listened to people over the years. Um, not only their intonation, but what their words said and what their words left unsaid. So that's that's pretty much how I've I've taken to dialogue. Yeah. Rochelle said that Chris Offutt's book looks new book looks really good. Yes, uh, it's called The Killing Hills. Um, he is a wonderful writer and a great human being. I I, I just think the guy is is fantastic. I have a question. Um, yes. As far as um, like writing from the point of view of a police officer, did you, what kind of research did you do to get to that? Like uh, how that, and, and as a veteran as well, like how did you yes. um, go about researching what, you know, and I have, can't articulate what I'm trying to ask you, but yes. I think you're picking up what mm -hmm. I'm laying down. No, I, 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 I get it. Um, I, did, um, I did do research on uh, police vernacular um, procedure, but these books aren't procedurals. Right. Um, so it left me a lot of room to uh, invent. If I were someone like Michael Conley, then I would I would really have to investigate. Well, um, what is the correct procedure for this? The correct procedure for that? How do you move forward? How do you step back within uh, police parameters? The most research that I had to do was um, on the Marines because, and embarrassingly enough, I had to be corrected on this before the printing of uh, the first book. I made the, the mistake of referring to August as an ex-Marine. And if you talk to any Marine, they will say, essentially, we never left. We don't wear the uniform anymore, but we never left. We are former Marines. Uh, and that's, that's very important. That's a very important distinction for anyone who's been in that branch of um, military service. What does, what does a sharpshooter do? What, does, uh, what is the job of a sniper? When does a sniper get the call? Uh, so those are the areas that I had to really research. Um, uh, also, uh, great question, Amy. Um, also, as I mentioned at the top, um, I, I don't own a gun. 
Uh, I don't particularly care for guns. Um, I'm not somebody who will say, um, get rid of all guns because uh, I'm not that guy. I understand that there are reasonable people out there that were born in the country that love hunting uh, and they abide by the rules. Um, but, well, you know, I have to correct part of this. Um, I do own one gun. It belonged to my aunt, okay? Everybody should have an aunt like this. My aunt Sadie, God rest her soul, um, owned a, what was it? A Smith & Wesson um, 23 caliber. They don't make ammunition for those guns anymore. So that was, that was part of my inheritance and it's been boxed and put away since. But I had to do a lot of research on weapons, which is fascinating. It's intriguing. Uh, to some extent, it's exciting, but also it makes every writer that does weapons research it makes them think, dear God, I hope the FBI never has a reason to check my search history. So. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Carla would like to know if you speak Spanish and she says she loves the choice of car. Oh, thank you. Um, I, it's embarrassing to admit, but I don't, do not speak Spanish. Um, I have help when I uh, have a Spanish phrase that, uh, or Spanish dialogue. Um, but unfortunately, I do not speak Spanish. And I say unfortunately for a number of reasons. Um, first among them is I think Spanish is a beautiful, beautiful language. Um, and it's, it's the language of some of my favorite poets, um, Pablo Neruda, uh, Federico Garcia Lorca, um, Octavio Paz, who I've mentioned. Um, I love I love the Spanish poets. Uh, and the second part of the question was: She loves the choice of car. Oh, the car. Thank you. Um, you know, uh, my dad used to um, work in the Oldsmobile factory that produced the Olds 442. So that's, that's kind of a tribute to him. And, uh, you know, um, the family and I, we went down to um, the DIA recently. And... Um, they had an exhibit on automotive design over the years. It was a wonderful exhibition. And, you know, I saw cars 
that my father had been a part of. He, uh, he wasn't on the assembly line. He was a skilled tradesman, tinsmith, which meant he kept, he kept the plant running, uh, machinery running. But yeah, I've never been a car person, but for whatever reason, when I was, oh God, um, I forgot how old I was, teen, preteen, when they built that car, the 442, that captured my imagination. I thought that is, that is sculpture on wheels. Same with the Tornado and the Buick Riviera. These days, ah, these kids and their Priuses. No, I'm, I'm kidding. That's, that's a fine automobile. I have a question. Do you yes. have a favorite of the trilogy, of the, the three so far, which, which is your favorite? That's a tough question and an easy question. Each one has been my favorite. Um, and for, for different reasons. Um, the first one, August Snow, I was getting to know the character as the character was getting to know me. And it was, it was, each book has been, you know, constant discovery for me. Um, but each time I'm discovering something new. Um, the first time I was, I was discovering who these people are, what, what is at the heart of them, uh, what, what makes their heart beat, uh, what feeds their soul. Uh, the second book, um, was, and I hate to say this, but it was um, the motivation there was uh, anger um, at what was happening with um, uh, detentions, ICE detentions, um, because those detentions did not reflect the America that I know and love. So that was, that was my motivation there. But nobody wants to read about how angry I am because that turns into a diatribe. It turns into a manifesto and nobody wants to read diatribes or manifestos. This third book, I made a promise to myself and as such, a promise to readers that I would go a little deeper into who August was and, um, and test him, um, test his spirit, test his resolve. Um, and that's, that's those, those are the three things that I like about the three books. Um, and also the fact that I, I actually finished writing them. Well done. Um, Carla said that even though people don't want to read a diatribe, you do get in some sly observations. 
Well, I try to be sly about it. <laughs> you know, just kind of <laughs> slip a zinger in there uh, every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> and I appreciate that. But um, yeah, it's, it's fun. And, and uh, I'm glad no one asked about my process uh, because I'll tell you right now, my process is a mess. Um, it's like asking a two-year-old to draw a very straight line. It's not going to happen. Um, I will say that, am I a plotter or a pantser? Is everybody familiar with that question? Um, okay. Um, a question that a number of writers get is, do you plot your story? Um, are you, is the first thing that you do, do you write the plot out? Uh, do you plan it out in detail and then write it? Or are you a pantser, somebody who flies by the seat of their pants uh, and just starts writing uh, chapter one, not knowing where things are going. And uh, I'm a little bit of both. Uh, for me, the process is much like jumping off of a cliff backwards at midnight, hoping that you land in water. Um, I may write a few plot points a few areas along the way uh, that I want to hit. But there are times when you get to those points and your characters and the story doesn't fit that point anymore. The characters can say, well, I'm, I'm going over here. I'm, I'm not going to that place because that's boring. And that's when you have to follow um, the character. I know it sounds schizophrenic, but um, that's really where you have to follow the character, uh, let them lead you. So um, do I plot? Eh, a little bit. Um, but it's mostly jumping off a cliff backwards. Well, you know, I just... Um, let me just say this um, um, to close out. Um, for everybody that's here tonight, support the Warren Public Library. Um, these are folks that get up every day to help you, to guide you. Um, they are essentially Google with a soul. Okay, uh, they can they can help you uh, direct you to whatever it is you wish to read, and that's the reason why they're there because they love you, they love books, they love the library, so support them. And it's been a hard time for public libraries and independent bookstores uh, because of the pandemic. 
it's been hard for all of us, um, but especially for these folks. So, um, you know, check out books of, of all kinds, um, your library and librarians are your guides to adventure and knowledge and, and uh, wonder. So do that. Straight from the Author has been brought to you by MyWarn. To hear more podcasts like this, visit MyWarn.org. Again, that's MIWarn.org.